Good morning. It's great to be back with you this morning. I missed you guys. Thank you, Bill, for leading worship the last couple of weeks. Let's all stand together and worship this morning. the 
Hallelujah. There's freedom in the water. Thank God for the water of the Spirit. Amen. Do you feel it? It's all over us. Amen. Hallelujah, church. Can we give God some glory? Thank you, Jesus, for the washing of the Word, the water from God. Rivers of living water are flowing through this sanctuary right now. And wherever you are at home as you watch us, if the Word of God, if this message is getting through to you, then you are washed in the Spirit of God, His precious Holy Spirit. For it's everywhere. It knows everything. And He's there with you wherever you are. Hospital bed at home, bedridden, sitting right here in the wonderful house of God. For our Bible verse today pertains to the Holy Spirit. When John first introduced him by his words to those who would listen. It's in Matthew 3, in verse 1 through 11, if you want to read along with me at home or here. And in those days cometh John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ye ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John himself had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then he went out unto him Jerusalem. And all Judea, and all the region around about the Jordan. And they were baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. It's important that we confess our sins to God. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said unto them, Ye offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruit worthy of repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to be our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And even now the axe lieth at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He says, I indeed baptize you in water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. That's our Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you, dear God, for this beautiful day that you've blessed us with. We thank you, dear God, that you've given us permission to come boldly before your throne of grace where you said we can obtain mercy. We need mercy, dear God, and grace to help us. We need grace in our times of need. Lord, we are a needy people, and we need you, Father. We need you like we've never needed anything more in our life, from the depths of our soul, like the deer that panteth after the water. We pant for you. We desire you. Lord, we need your help. We need your strength. We need your anointing every day of our life. We need the Holy Ghost working big time inside of us. Cannot imagine going through these days, especially, Lord, without the help of your Holy Spirit. 
Father, we want to tell you that we love you. We absolutely adore you, Christ. We exalt your holy name. And we thank you that you're there for us, that the name of the Lord is still a strong tower that the righteous may run into and be safe. We come to you, Lord. As Peter said, you alone have the words of life. Help us here, God. Help those of us who are in the hospital right now, Lord. A lot of them are not able to see loved ones who want to come and visit them. Same things in the, in the nursing homes. They're lonely, Lord. They need to see their families. They need you, dear God. We thank you, Lord, that you promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That you tell us words like, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For I, the Lord thou God, I am with thee wherever thou goest. Wherever we are, God is. We thank you for that blessed assurance, O oh God. Lord, we ask that you would just bless those people throughout our country who have gone through unbelievable natural havoc, floods, dear God, and fires, Lord, earthquakes, dear Lord. You, you name it, Lord, it's, it's, it's happening. And, Lord, we are looking up to you. You said when we see these things happening, to look up for our redemption draw off nigh. Well, Lord, we're looking up. We lift up our eyes into the hills from whence cometh our help. For your word says our help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Help us, Lord. Bless us. Keep us safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. Let no weapon formed against us prosper. Lord, we ask that you do as you promise in your word. Cover us with your holy feathers so that under your wings we can trust. So that we need not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrows that fly up by day, nor the pestilence that walk up in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. So that we can boldly say, though a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it will not come nigh thee. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love your promises. They keep us going. And Lord, we just give you all the honor and all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And would you join me in saying, Amen. Thank God for the power of the amen. That means you agree with God. Hey, CTC family, I'm Pastor Roger, and here's this week's news. With the holidays quickly approaching, we're gearing up for several ministry outreaches to our community. The first of these is our Thanksgiving turkey basket outreach. We need your help with either filling a basket, delivering a basket, or both. You can go to our website, ctcde.net, scroll down, and click on the Thanksgiving Basket Outreach link. There you will find the list of what's needed in the baskets, as well as a link to Church Community Builder to sign up. Please return your filled basket between 7.30 and 10 a.m. on Sunday, November 22nd. Monday, October 26th at 7 p.m. will be our annual church conference. All members of the church are invited to attend. This year's meeting will be on Zoom. If you would like to attend this meeting, please call the church office and we will get the meeting link to you. Last fall, I preached a message on letting go of the excess in our lives. We all just have too much stuff. While many families in our area are still feeling the effects of unemployment or damage from the tornado. To reach out to our neighbors, we're having an unusual event. Not a yard sale, but a yard giveaway. Saturday, October 24th from 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., we'll be giving away household items. We need your help with donations and staffing the event for the day. We're looking for furniture, home goods, children's toys, books, and clothing. 
We need staff to help with drop-off, setup, greeting, and cleanup. You can contact Chrissy Carroll or Nikki DeBono for more information. For more information on these and other events, visit our website at ctcde.net or go to our Facebook page. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email us at prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week. all of you here this morning and uh, all of you who are online joining us today welcome glad that you're here that guy that did those announcements he did pretty good and uh, if pastor bill calls you or michelle calls you and says hey we'd like you to do the announcement video say yes it's fun and it's easy and it's important. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's a good way. It's, you know, communication is so important uh, in any organization, but we want people to know. And these announcements are just not, you know, we put them as part of worship because they are part of worship. It's part of us sharing with one another how we together can love God, love one another, how we can serve God, serve together, serving one another together, and then how we can engage the world with the message of Jesus Christ and, and live as Jesus teaches us to live, helping those who are poor, giving them the good news of Jesus Christ, and loving them in the name of Jesus. We love, we serve, and we engage the world. I want to encourage you to, to fill out the Connect card. If you're here on the table, we've put, begun putting them on, back on the table. We've got the san, hand sanitizer there. If you want to clean your, uh, clean your hands, clean the pen before you do that. Um, uh, feel free to do that. If you're online, we invite you to uh, f- go to our website, ctcde.net, fill out the Connect card there. Let us know that you're with us. Uh, tell us your prayer requests and engage with us in that way. Uh, giving is part of our worship also. So if you're here, we've got giving envelopes on the table. And if you're online, you can give by going to ctcde.net forward slash give. Uh, we ask you to give generously, but don't let anybody twist your arm as to how much you give. God says each of us should decide how much to give, but don't give out of a, out of a grumpy heart, but out of a grateful heart, heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. So let's uh, serve God by uh, giving to others generously in the ministries of this church. Finally, we pray together. And uh, we have moments for prayer, and so put your prayer requests on the Connect card or on the offering envelope and let us know. You can text your prayer requests to us or email them to us also. There are many people in our church who uphold one another and stay together as we pray for each other. Let me invite you, let's continue to worship God as we stand together, if you're able, and we continue uh, being led by the praise team, singing and praising God. We all have a story, a testimony about how God has brought us from death to life. Did you come here this morning to give God glory?
Father, this is our testimony that Jesus Christ sent by you, your Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, that all might be forgiven of their sins and drawn back into fellowship with you and given to us the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit who, who was here at creation. Your Spirit, the Spirit of God, hovered over the face of the earth and all things were created. Lord, we think about our earth today and how we're experiencing that. You are aware of all the things that we're experiencing. So we ask You to bring healing to Your creation. Make us well so that we can live the lives that You want us to live. Lord, we know that You are the King and the Ruler of all nations. And that even though there are uh, nations where despicable things are happening, You still are Lord of all. We, We just take this time to lift You up and praise You and thank You. Lord, we don't understand everything that You're doing. And we may there may be days when we don't understand anything that you're doing, but we just want to say thank you to you because we trust that you still are God of all. And we thank you. Lord, in our own nation, I ask you to be with us as we we continue to be in this election season. Lord, give us your people who in our nation have a privilege and a responsibility to go to the polls and to make a selection. Lord, speak to each of us. Don't let any of us give up our voice. And we may mock at that phrase. And some people will say, well, no, we don't have a voice in this nation. Father, you've given each of us a voice. Help us to exercise that role that we are privileged to have in this nation. To go to the polls. But also, Lord, I ask that you help each of us be clear as we go to the polls. To vote for the person that we sense you are asking us to vote for. Whether it's the president of this nation or a senator or or a local office, God. We need your wisdom as we are making a choice. And God, we also know that in this nation, my voice is combined with many others. 
And I don't have any control over the choices that other people make. So God, when that vote is come, we pray that there will be peace in this nation, whatever the outcome is. And we trust all things to you. And we ask you, God, to protect us, to guide our nation, to guide our people, that we will be a people seeking your will in all things. So we submit ourselves and we surrender to you. We ask for your help. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come and lead us and guide us in these things. Lord, we ask you to bring healing to those who need it. We ask you to bring a light to those who are confused. Show them the way. We ask you to free those who are oppressed from whatever is oppressing them. We ask you to strengthen us as followers of Jesus Christ, that you will give us the courage to speak out against injustice, to work against and to help those who are experiencing injustice. We need to be your people, courageous to do what you're leading us to do. Make it clear for us, Father. We pray for Fran, who now is going to bring the message. We pray that you will anoint her once again with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the message that you're going to speak to us. And send your Spirit upon all of us who are listening, that our minds, our hearts will be open to what you have to us today. You're transforming our lives and making us into the people that you want us to be. May we be receptive to your work in our lives and submit ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We hope that you're having a great day so far. And you know why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. For that I say hallelujah and amen. Thank you, God. We're midway through the Holy Spirit sermon series and focusing on aspects of the Holy Spirit we might not routinely discuss. The purpose of this series is to help us more clearly understand the triune Godhead and to deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Vaughn covered many aspects and many doctrinal points. The Holy Spirit is a person who has thoughts and feelings makes choices, can be grieved, can be insulted, and dispenses spiritual gifts of his choosing to believers. 
The Holy Spirit has just as much power as God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit knows all, sees all, and is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit is known by many names. Each name has a meaning, and when you understand them, you understand more clearly who the Holy Spirit is. And all scripture is given through divine inspiration by the Holy Spirit. Today, as we continue, we're going to add some points. We're going to talk about the role the Holy Spirit plays in spiritual identity, spiritual birthright, and spiritual inheritance, as well as how God's word takes root in each of us and why that matters. Before we start, I want to give you some background that's going to later put some things into perspective. So I'm going to share some of my backstory with you. My maiden name is Beattie. Our clan, the Beatty Gibson family, has generations of historians who traced our genealogy in America back to the 1800s. In the first edition forward of the Beatty Gibson family roots in Odyssey, my cousin Joan A. Jenkins wrote these words over 30 years ago. The research that has been done stresses the need for us as a people to recognize our own uniqueness, preserve our roots, and be proud of our heritage. I believe it is better to begin somewhere rather than never get started. The foreword doesn't stop there, but I hope you get the point. These words emphasize relationship and belongingness. My late grandfather, Reverend Joseph Henry Beatty Sr., also thought it was important for us to know our family heritage. He would often tell us stories about his parents, his aunts, uncles, siblings, cousins, and those in our family who went before. He would invite us to accompany him to family reunions held by other branches of our extended family. Today, my cousin Jackie Gibson Thomas picked up this torch. She goes all over the U.S. searching vital statistics and records, and she follows trails to link our generations, and she's updating the book that my cousin started years ago. So I, without a doubt, know who my biological ancestors are. Finding one's family roots is important to so many people that TV, TV shows and specials are dedicated to this topic. A few examples are, you might know this one, Roots miniseries from 1977 by Alex Haley, and then Finding Your Roots with Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. and the Genealogy Roadshow. There are even modern-day industries that cater to helping people find their roots. Ancestry.com has my husband, Daryl, hooked. I can't tell you the number of times that I've awakened in the middle of the night and he's just hunched over the computer talking about he's found one. And I'm thinking, what did you find? What was lost? But he's talking, of course, about his ancestors. So let's consider three definitions from Merriam-Webster that help build a possible foundation for establishing why roots matter to so many people. The first word is identity which is defined as a distinguishing characteristic or personality of an individual. 
The second is birthright, which means right, privilege, or possession to which a person is entitled by birth. And the third is inheritance, which is defined as goods not acquired by the receiver, but given by the previous possessor. One reason these concepts matter so much because they help satisfy basic psychological and emotional needs and settles the question, who am I? Where do I come from? In 1943, Abraham Maslow introduced in his paper a theory of human motivation, a hierarchy. It has five levels on it. Lower level needs represent basic needs. Middle-level needs represent psychological needs, and upper-level needs represent self-actualization. So I know you're saying, what's the point? Well, we're getting there. According to Maslow, most humans don't achieve self-actualization or reach their highest potential. Go figure. To live an entire lifespan without the possibility of being fulfilled. That's sort of like trying to drive a car that's always stuck in neutral. Can you imagine the inherent frustration of working towards your highest calling and someone saying, you can't get there? It's important that we stick a pin in it right here. As much as my grandfather suggested or inferred that we get to know our family, He was unequivocally, he didn't budge, he didn't move, he didn't negotiate on the fact that we get to know who we were in Christ, meaning what's our spiritual identity, what's our spiritual birthright, and what's our spiritual inheritance. He understood that knowing who our biological ancestors were in no way equipped us for eternity. Because of my grandfather's obedience to the will of God, we have generations in my immediate and extended family who know that through salvation in Christ Jesus, we will one day see all our biological ancestors who placed their hope in Christ. The good news for all of us here today is that God designed this pathway to eternity through Christ Jesus by the will of God the Father and with the help of the Holy Spirit for all who believe. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. Hide your servant behind the cross and let your word go forth so that your people may be edified and you glorified. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The title for today's message is Faith Gives Us the Strength to Stand. 
We've already discussed how Merriam-Webster defines identity, birthright, and inheritance, and how some find their roots. Through a spiritual lens, let's briefly examine what the Bible says about identity, birthright, and inheritance for the believer and why these things matter. So if you're reading along with me, you may look at the screens to my right and your left. We're in the book of Ephesians, if you're going to the word, the written word. And we're starting in chapter 1 at verse 3, and we'll read through the end of 14, the word of God. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. This passage establishes through God's amazing grace whose we are, and who we are. Think back to identity. It's the distinguishing character of an individual. Wilfred Graves said it this way, the foundation of our identities as believers is our position in Christ. The Bible says in verse 4, the text reads, even before he made the world, God loved us, and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. These words say so many things. Let's start with the words in the text. Even before he made the world. 
So, even before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which reads, In the beginning, when God created the heaven and the earth, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. So even before day one of creation, when God said, let there be light, before God separated light from darkness, even before day two, when God said, let there be a space between the waters of the earth from the waters of the heaven and called that space sky. So even before day three, When God created the land and seas and before God produced vegetation on the land, even before day four, when God hung the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky, even before day five, when God filled the oceans with fish and other life and before he filled the skies with birds of every kind, even before day six, When God filled the earth with every sort of animal and made human beings, that's us, in his image. Even before God did all these things, even before creating the world, that's what the word says. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. How many of you know today, my brothers and sisters, that God lavishes his love upon us? He does. Because we are united with Christ. Our identity means that we are in Christ. We are saints, not sinners. We are reconciled to God because of Christ's death and resurrection. We're saved. We are accepted, not rejected. Chains have been broken, and we are set free. We are redeemed, not forsaken. We are immersed in grace and no longer living under the law. We are forgiven. A healthy spiritual identity allows believers to walk in God's ordained purpose and roots out unhealthy strongholds that make believers stumble. Is it powerful knowing that he is ours and we are his? That's an amen right there. Birthright. They said that's the right, privilege, or possession to which a person is entitled by birth. Verse 5 of this text reads, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. An immediate benefit of being born again or accepting salvation and being adopted into God's family is being embraced and reconciled to God. We become joint heirs of all the promises God made to all his people in the new covenant. Christ is the mediator of the new covenant between God and believers based on our faith in the finished work of salvation by redemption in Christ's life, his death, 
and his resurrection, as well as the finished work of sanctification by sending the Holy Spirit. Inheritance, verses 11 through 14 of the text reads, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Another way to understand what this text is saying is to read a commentary. Matthew Henry's commentary says it this way. What a gracious promise that is, which secures the gift of the Holy Ghost to those who ask. The sanctifying and comforting influences of the Holy Spirit seals believers as the children of God in the heirs of heaven. These are the first fruits of holy happiness. For this we were made, and for this we were redeemed. This is the great design of God in all that he has done for us. Let all be ascribed unto the praise of his glory. Matthew Henry is saying, we are in Christ from the point of salvation right now and through eternity. Let's look back to the definition of an inheritance. Goods not acquired by the receiver, but given by the previous possessor. Let's simplify this concept. An inheritance is something you get that you didn't work for. God promised Abraham that he would become the father of all who believe through faith. Christ is the vessel through whom all believers of all nations are blessed. Christ is a direct descendant of Abraham. The scripture tells us the presence of the Holy Spirit with us confirms we are the children of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Despite our sinful ways, despite the fact that we are totally unworthy and worked for nothing, we have a spiritual inheritance, the freely given gifts of salvation and sanctification because of our relationship to the giver, Christ Jesus our Lord. Our spiritual inheritance through Christ's grace allows us full access to God's consecrated promises through eternity. That's an amen, right? Obtaining spiritual roots is essential to the life of a believer. People obtain spiritual roots by accepting salvation. If you're not sure where you'll be when you close your eyes for the last time, it's important to take the step required to bring, to have birthright, access to eternity with God. And it's as simple as, one, admitting that you are a sinner and ask God to forgive your sins. Two, 
Believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for your sins, rose from the grave, and is the only hope for your salvation. And three, confess that Jesus is Lord and ask him to be your Savior. In that moment, you're saved. Upon salvation, each believer receives the Holy Spirit and God's future blessings and the guarantee of future promises. Let's go to the word and see what it says about becoming rooted and grounded. By now, it's obvious. We're contrasting the difference between spiritual and natural. Through a natural lens, we often find that if you have 20-20 vision, which I used to have, is the ideal. How vision works is the optic nerve transmits signals to the brain and forms an image. This wonderful ability allows our eyes to see things, and then we draw conclusions. The biggest problem with drawing a conclusion is sometimes what we think we see is not what it is. Our assumptions can sometimes be just flat out wrong. And I think we're going to put an image on this screen now. Anybody can shout out, what's that? Okay, we have a cloud with Rick. We have Pastor Vaughn with a tornado. Who's going with tornado? Who's going with cloud? It's a cloud. It's a very low-lying cloud. But if we depend on our natural eyes to see things and interpret things and draw conclusions about things, we can make so many mistakes. We must pray that God gives us spiritual wisdom and insight and gives us, allows us the ability through the Holy Spirit to view life through a spiritual lens. Because what we can see naturally in no way compares to what is gained when the Holy Spirit develops our spiritual lens. Through faith in Christ and discernment, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Pastor Vaughn taught indwelling last week. The Holy Spirit equips us with a spiritual lens that enables to live life in this physical body, yet experience life on a spiritual realm. When the Holy Spirit indwells us and guides us, he touches the human spirit and gives insight to it. Our faith begins to see what is invisible to the natural eye and begins to see things from a spiritual perspective. Because we know how many of you have gone through tough times before. How many of you are on the other side of impossible? Because when we see things with our spiritual eyes, we know that no matter how bad something looks in the natural, we can look to God. And he is moving. He is working. Through faith, we see God moving. We're going to go back to the text and continue in Ephesians chapter 1. But this time we're going to pick up at verse 17. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. That's us. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That's you. That's me. That's us. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. We're the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Being rooted and grounded is more challenging than accepting the freely given gift of salvation and requires a little elbow grease. Growing deep spiritual roots is a lifelong quest, and it's part of the sanctification process. Sanctification begins the moment a Christian accepts salvation. Sanctification is a progressive work of the Holy Spirit. It is ongoing. We all come to Christ a total wreck. And you don't have to throw your hands in the air. I'll throw both mine in the air. Sanctification means we should become less and less of a wreck as we grow more and more like Christ. And as the Holy Spirit guides us, teaches us, corrects us, grows us, stretches us, and comforts us. No Christian can grow deep spiritual roots without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at some ways to grow deep spiritual roots. And it's not all of them. It's just some of them. Growing deep spiritual roots requires reading scripture every day, and I mean literally every day, not just Sunday and then next Sunday when you're in church, every day in between. So that when you need to encourage yourself or someone else, you'll use the word of God. Psalm chapter 119, verse 11 reads, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Knowing the word of God helps us not offend God and not sin against God. And only the word of God has the power to heal and deliver. Take the time to read the word. Give it space in your heart to come alive. When that happens, you'll begin to see your heart's desires come to fruition. The words in this book Remain words on a page until you make them come alive in your heart because it's a living word. Growing deep spiritual roots require a lot of prayer. Not formalized prayer, but a lot of prayer. 
When we pray, we speak to God and God speaks to us. That's communication. If you've ever been in a relationship before, you understand the value of a communication. It's a two-way street. Anybody have siblings? Yeah? Yeah. If you want to know better how to get along with them, talk with them, and they talk with you, this helps you both understand what each other needs, wants, and desires, and helps you grow a stronger bond. If you don't have a sibling, have you ever tried developing deep communication with your parent, your child, a spouse, a friend, with God? Try spending more time talking with God. Spending time in prayer solves a lot of problems and spares us a lot of pain. Psalm chapter 17, verse 6 reads, I am praying to you because I know, I know you will answer, oh God. Bend down and listen as I pray. I love that God not only listens to our prayers, I love that he answers them. Growing deep spiritual roots also requires that we pray for and show love toward our enemies. I don't know about you, but this is an area I still struggle with. I used to just cut my enemies off, period. Finished. Done. Francine is over you. Enemy, be gone. But praise God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I am slightly better now. When someone greatly offends me, I no longer automatically X them out of my lives as if the person ceases to exist. I have learned to genuinely forgive. I have learned to genuinely forgive. And to pray that God forgives me and pray that any person that that I've fallen out with forgives me too. While forgiveness doesn't always mean I'm reconciled to an enemy, it does demonstrate the active work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And what I know is like we pray at the altar for others and for ourselves, that leaving enemies at the altar enables the Holy Spirit to work in us, and it allows us to walk in grace. It allows us to walk in forgiveness. It allows us to walk in freedom. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 read, If you forgive those who sin against you, Your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I've already made up my mind to not live in the place of the unforgiven. Because I'm holding on to seeds of unforgiveness. Growing deep spiritual roots require that we live on purpose and strive to die to ourselves. How many of you recognize that while you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are not sovereign in your own life? We have to fight our flesh every day. Our weak flesh is a formidable enemy. Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 reads, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. 
Our weak flesh can be powerful and gets in the way of growing deep spiritual roots. The flesh leads by selfish and carnal desires. Don't put your hands in the air because I know I'm going to hit every person in this room when I come down this aisle. When we should be reading the word, our flesh wants to patrol Facebook. When we should be teaching our children the word, the flesh wants to watch TV. When we should be meditating or praying, our flesh wants to clean the house, weed the garden, do a little retail therapy, also known as shopping. When we should be watching what we put in our temple, our flesh says, "Mm mm-hmm, had that third slice of cake. I know you had two other slices in the last hour, but it's not going to hurt you. When we should refrain from eating because we, because we are eating too much. When we should eat because we are undernourished, our flesh scares us away from eating healthily because the world says we're too plump. When we should refrain from judging others, Our flesh encourages us to slander our brothers, our sisters, and our pastors with our thoughts, with our words, with our deeds. We could go on all day talking about the flesh being powerful, but I think what's more important to talk about is what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. If it weren't for God's grace to ward us, our flesh would hold us enslaved and condemned. In Christ, God sets us free, not only from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin that remains active in our flesh by our conscious decision to die to ourselves and be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth by speaking the word of God to us. Before we close, I want to share a short story written by Philip Gully from his book, Front Porch Tales. It is titled Growing Roots. When I was growing up, I had an old neighbor, Dr. Gibbs. He didn't look like any doctor I'd ever known. He'd never invited us to play in his yard, but he was a very kind person. When Dr. Gibbs wasn't saving lives, he was planting trees. He owned a large field and wanted to make it a forest. The good doctor had some interesting ideas about planting trees. He never watered his trees. Once I asked why, he said that watering trees spoiled them and that if you watered them, each baby tree would grow weaker and weaker. So you had to make things difficult for them and pick out the weaker trees early on. He talked about how watering trees made for shallow roots and how trees that weren't watered had to grow deep roots in search of water under the earth by themselves. Deep roots were very important, so he never watered his trees. He planted an oak, and instead of watering it every morning, he beat it with a rolled-up newspaper. I asked him why he did that, and he said it was to get the tree's attention. 
Dr. Gibbs died several years after I left home. Every now and then I walked by his house and looked at the trees that I watched him plant about 25 years ago. They're very big and strong now. I planted some trees a few years back and carried water to them for a whole summer. After two years of caring too much, whenever a cold wind blows in, they shake a lot. Every night before I go to bed, I check on my two sons. Mostly I pray their lives will be easy. But lately I've been thinking it's time to change my prayer. I know my children are going to face difficulties. There's always a cold wind blowing somewhere. So what we need to do is pray for roots that reach deep into the brave heart. So when the rains fall and the winds blow, we can face it strongly and won't be beaten down. In closing, I hope, I pray, you never forget your position in Christ establishes your identity and positions you not only for a rich, fulfilling life on earth, it equips you for eternity. I hope you understand that our salvation is a precious, priceless gift, and it was brought with the blood of our Savior. And we must strive to live holy just as Christ is holy. I hope you remember that as joint heirs with Christ, our inheritance is the fulfillment of God's promise in the Abrahamic covenant. I hope your roots grow deep and you draw strength from our eternal God so that when the winds blow, when the rains fall, and when life beats you down, you will have a foundation that is strong secure and deeply rooted in the word of God and through faith you withstand any hardship. I hope you continue to hold fast to God's eternal promises. 2020 has been a very unusual time in our history. The impacts of COVID reach far and wide. Many people have lost their lives. Families have been deeply impacted. People are experiencing psychological, emotional, physical, and financial stressors. God assures us in his word that no matter what we are going through, he is with us. God is with us. He is with you. Regardless of how hard the trials, God is lavishing love on you in the midst, and he is ever-present in times of trouble. When you do not know where to turn, call on the matchless name of the Holy Spirit through Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, I have faith. Guide me. As my cousin Joan said, the work that has been done stresses the need for us as a people to recognize our own uniqueness as Christians. We are unique. Preserve our roots and be proud of our heritage. My brothers and sisters, the work has been done. All we have to do is remember the foundation of our identity as believers is our position in Christ. 
and adhere to the tenets contained in the inerrant Holy Scripture, Holy Spirit-inspired manual he left, which are our basic instructions before leaving earth, our Holy Bible. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the sacrifice our Savior Jesus Christ made at Calvary so we can be reconciled to you. Thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and gives us every good thing we need to fulfill the purpose of your will in our lives. Thank you for giving us your word. Father, we ask that your word be magnified in our hearts and that with your grace and your mercy that we are hearers and doers of your precious word. You call to all who are weary, lost, and seeking hope. Your word says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Thank you for being all that we will ever need. Thank you for doing all that ever needed to be done. And you didn't stop there. You're continuing to show up in our lives every day in ways that should just blow our faces off. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we lift these prayers in the matchless, marvelous, mighty, majestic, and all-powerful name of Jesus Christ, who is our deliverer. Amen. gave her a word and she delivered it this morning. Thank you, friend. If you're able to stand with us, let's stand together this morning as we sing our closing song here this morning.
coming after me. Amen. Hallelujah. If you feel like we've been to church, can you say hallelujah? This was wonderful, wasn't it? Let's give the Lord a hand clap, brothers and sisters. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you, dear God, for our Pastor Roger, for him bringing this particular series to the church, to uh, Fran and to myself. And we thank God for for Fran, for that message that Fran, come up here, would you please? For that message that she brought today. I'm going to embarrass her. You might not know this, but she's shy. <laughs> Praise God. We give you our appreciation for that wonderful word. They don't know. Yeah, I like that. Amen. All God. She says, all God. And they might not know it, but when we first asked you to do that, Pastor Roger, you said, I don't preach. My grandfather's the preacher. Well, God brought up another preacher today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to God, for obeying God. We thank God also for our wonderful praise group. Can we give them a hand clap, please? They have ushered us into the presence of God with their wonderful songs. We are so blessed to have them. And my friends, as we continue one more week next week to talk about the Holy Spirit and his prevalence and importance in our life, the fact that he's always there with us. There's nowhere David says you can get away from him. He's everywhere. He's there to bless you. He's there to encourage us, to, to keep telling us we can do it, even when things seem so hard in life. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. That's okay, friend. You can clap. Amen. Praise God. She's still full of it. The Holy Spirit. Praise God. So as we go out into the world today, please let people feel and sense that wonderful Holy Spirit in you. And that through your good works, the light that you shine upon them, they may glorify your Father in heaven, as Jesus said. Be blessed. Tell somebody Jesus loves them, and you love them too. Take care. Be safe. <laughs>